Hey, welcome back everybody to the Surviving Hollywood podcast. My name is Aaron Arnold. And I'm Johnny Diaz. I am Austin Arnold. And we just sat down with a very accomplished cinematographer named John Rosario. Yep. He just won an Emmy for a news segment, right, that he did with the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, focusing yeah. on one of the players. It was uh, the story about Kirk Gibson and the uh, famous 1988 World Series walk-off home run. Super cool. Featured uh, Sam Jackson in the uh, piece with uh, Rob Lowe, George Lopez. Um, yeah, it was really cool. And he won an Emmy for that, and he didn't bring it, unfortunately. Uh, but we talked to him about that. He talked about what it was like growing up um, from a Latino uh, home, and he talked about how his parents, you know, you're not really, like, encouraged to be an artist and how he did it. He was going to school first as a civil engineer, and he was, you know, had the option of building bridges for hundreds of thousands of people, but he decided to switch to cinematography and build bridges and burn bridges for millions of people. Great decision. Yeah. Right? I um, liked it. No, it was, it was a fun pod. Uh, super chill dude. Uh, really relaxed, down to earth, and uh, yeah, man, he just loved to talk movies. So we got to talk a little bit about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, talked about some of his favorite DPs and favorite movies, and um, he's a I guy really who it. legitimately loves film, and you could tell that he's pretty soft spoken, but you can, you know, very uh, enthusiastic just about talking about how how he likes to shoot it. He likes Darren Aronofsky, Requiem for a Dream. We bonded over that because he likes to shoot dark type stuff. Well, you'll see. Hey, and uh, before right. we before we close it, <laughs> and that's uh, it. hey, I, I don't think we, we say this enough. Happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day to you guys out there. Um, yeah, I think you guys enjoy the podcast, especially if you are in the indie filmmaking world. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. You done podcasts before? This is a first for me. Big day. Oh, you, podcast, huh? you always remember your first. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're happy that we are the lucky ones to be the first, man. Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me. Dude, this absolutely, is, uh, man. Special for sure. Do you, so, do you listen to Rogan or Marin, or do you have podcasts that you listen to? I was listening to uh, Wandering DP for a little bit. Mm. Uh, then the ASC also has some podcasts where they interview cinematographers and directors and things like that, uh, but haven't lately. Do you find those like really helpful for what you're up to? I think it's just nice to hear other perspectives on, on, on the craft and what other people go through. Right. So what a uh, wandering DP, what is that one about? Uh, it's the DP uh, that just wanders aimlessly lost yeah. in life. It's a cool, it's a cool <laughs> title. Uh, uh, Patrick O'Sullivan. Um, he, he hosted, he's a cinematographer and, um, he just interviews different cinematographers on projects that they've done directors sometimes, cool. uh, cool. and just talks about, you know, the craft and what it takes to make certain things. What's the most important part about being a DP? What, pa do, pe what do people not know? Uh, patience. 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 And you just have to be a problem solver. You know, mm. it's, it's a fun job and it's cool and you get to make some, some great stuff. But you kind of have to be an observer and just like allow people to just do their own thing on set and you're just kind of a fly in the wall just absorbing everything and just coming up with solutions and just yelling at people don't block the light well that's interesting because I, I so there's there's two ways of going about it you can be a yeller right or you can be kind of like you know someone that's just like chill or just 
you know. So. Or a disappointed father. <laughs> right, or a disappointed father. Yeah. I think I'm the disappointed father, <laughs> for sure. I'm not a yeller. Buddy, buddy, so, what do we talk about? You'll yeah. regret this a few years from now. That's what it is. So It's kind of like, um, was it the, I can't remember what, if it was the DP, that whole situation with uh, Christian Bale oh, and Terminator. Yeah. I can't remember if it was a DP situation or what was going on, but he was yelling at the yeah, DP, right? Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Uh, I don't know the full story, right? but I think he was like adjusting lights or checking yeah. lights. In the middle of a take or something? Or? That DP was specifically for like, he made a lot of music videos, so I don't think Christian Bale, you know, respected, respected him. him as much. Is that what it was? I think so. Come on, we're making Terminator here. It's art. <laughs> so yeah, he was just worried about like the picture and he, Christian Bale was like, you don't know how to work with actors. I heard they were, this was during a, a, a rehearsal. Was it a rehearsal? Yeah. Okay. And he was just getting in the way, and then it was just hmm. pretty embarrassing, really. And it's funny, I think about that sometimes when when doing rehearsals where I'm checking lights and I'm metering stuff, <laughs> and I'm like, man, am I going to get you know yelled at by the actors? Do, do you have that, like, do you have that feeling of, like, walking on eggshells, though, around actors? Is that... No, it's honestly, my relationship with actors is pretty respectful and chill, and, you know, I get along really well with actors on set. Uh, you know, the first thing I, I do is I, you know, introduce myself and just kind of try to develop a really good relationship with the actors um, because I ask a lot of them, you yeah. know, from micro adjustments to little things like that. So I think that it's important that my relationship with them is really strong. So. And if nice. you have a strong relationship or if they're like um, in tune and they're doing a great job and they're helping you make yeah. them look good, oh, yeah. do you take the time to light them better or if they're kind of jerks? you kind of not worry about it and their lighting is a little bit worse yeah it's funny i do hold the power to do that right <laughs> but but no i try to keep it professional even though that you know if, if, if that's the situation but it's like a dance you know they help me i help them and we work together to get the best out of it you know? do you have anybody giving you more of a difficult time uh you know it, it's 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 not that anyone has given me a difficult time i think it was more so sometimes inexperience can create some kind of issues you know maybe an actor's not hitting their mark and they really need to hit that mark for for the light and right it, it just can get you know a little frustrating and you're running out of daylight yeah <laughs> but for them too because we're constantly going over and saying hey can you as a reminder can you hit that mark and it's just right. you know do, so. do you often engage the actor or you leave that to the director I and you know I, I the relationships I, I have with directors is, is, is it's pretty, it's a pretty good one in in the sense that I, I can talk to the actors not about performances but just I can just go up to them and say hey you know can you move a little bit to the left and a little bit to the right uh, can you do this for me can you do that for me and you know or so. or hey are you sure about that choice <laughs> no. no I'll never overstep that <laughs> I'll take the director to the side and be like hey man what do you think about that. What, you know, so. and they just did casual eye roll. Hell, yeah, <laughs> so. let's move on. Yeah, so. yeah, man, I get it. I get it. Um, is there certain certain things that actors will that can do that make your job one hundred percent easier? Like, what do you love it? What do you love to see when an actor gets on set? Man, I I worked with Robert England. Mm. Uh, for those who don't know, he he played Freddy Krueger, the yeah. original, and he was like a super pro, and he would always hit his marks. He would always ask for what you know, lenses we were shooting on and he would react based on that when it came to movement and things like that. And I think wow. uh, having an understanding of the lens that we're on would make just everyone's job easier and it'll make the actor look much better. So if we're on a hundred millimeter lens on a super close up, right. so you know, it's you tight. Know, yeah. Can't move a lot. Can't move a lot. The focus pillar is just going to go crazy. And right. So. so you're saying I can't go like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, 
every 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 DP's dream, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> I have a focus puller that I've worked with for um, over ten years, and he's just like a crass New Yorker. Just, oh, really? Yeah, he's always like, man, just, just you know, he's <laughs> <laughs> will not suffer fools. <laughs> yeah, so I like to shoot wide open a lot, and so he always you know rags on me for it. So. Yeah, you guys going down to like usually like a like how low do you guys go? Like a two? I mean, there's one times four? where just like at a one four out of necessity, really? or just you know the visuals call for it, or you there's know, really like no movement at all. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, but he's super he's talented, good. and he just yeah. he's like, yeah, he's one of those guys that can just pull off of instinct. You know, he plays a lot of video games, so I think that yeah. has a lot to do with it. He's got that joystick handy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Nice, man. Are, are you from New York originally? Then? I am. Okay. I am. So can, can you tell us a little bit about growing up over there, and, and yeah. how did you, you get into this world, man? Oh, man, by accident, actually. Nice. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, okay. uh, East New York, which wasn't the best neighborhood. Uh, it was like the hood, you know, like the ghetto. Um, uh, and I, my family, I'm first generation American. My family came from the Dominican Republic. Cool. Um, so hablas español. Si. Hablas español. Hey. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? What? It's <laughs> another podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't have a Dominican accent and you don't even have like, um, like an urban accent. It's funny, man. So I, I used to have like a, an urban accent for sure. Well, when I, when I first, when I, when I, so I was born and raised in New York and only spoke Spanish for the first couple of years of my life. My, uh, my mom kind of, when she, when she had me, you know, times were rough. So she sent me to the Dominican Republic to stay with my grandma for the first couple of years of, uh, you know, childhood. And, uh, so I only spoke Spanish and then I went and, you know, I came back to New York and, uh, went into school and started learning English. So it was kind of like this, I had this like Spanish accent with English and then this urban accent all kind of mixed. Yeah. And it wasn't until going to college that I started to kind of, I don't know how it happened, but my accent started to fade as mm. I started to interact with other people. Cause you know, growing up in East New York, I, went, I mean, I went to elementary school, junior high school, high school in like an urban setting. So that's all I knew. And then going to college outside of New York to Long Island, you know, it was predominantly white and just kind of being exposed to that just kind of changed me in a way. Mm. And so I, I th think that's how I lost my accent. But Long Island has an accent too, right? Yeah, they and have so, like that, that Long Island accent, yeah. like that in New York. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, because so, it sounds like those are like your formative years when you're a kid, obviously, yeah. kind of like the way you, you talk and stuff. Um, did you just kind of like, it just kind of just faded off off. It just, that? it Weird. just faded, it, you know, yeah. cause growing up in an urban setting, you speak a lot in slang. Right. And so if I'm interacting with people that don't really understand what I'm saying half the time, I have to yeah. kind of adjust, adapt, yeah. adapt. And I, and I think that's how it faded. Nice. So. Did you, uh, did you go to school for cinematography? Yeah. So, you know, so my family, it's, it's, I come from like a blue collar family, you know, they're, they're either laborers or in administration, you know, they're not really in the arts. And I wasn't really exposed to the arts as a kid. I kind of just like stumbled upon, you know, I used to draw a lot. I used to like, you know, do a bunch of stuff like that, but it was never like nurtured because my family, there's just, you know, there was just like workers, working right. class. Yeah. Typical Latino. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. You know, yeah. they just don't, you know. Um, and then, so I was going to school for civil engineering. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. So All my, right. you know, my family's like, you know, just get a good job that pays well, <laughs> you know, and that's that's how it is. That, and that, that is the mentality, right? It's like, hey, just work there for thirty years, you get your pension and your four hundred one k, and you retire, good. And you're set, right? Yeah. So, and that's what it was. And I was I was going to a community college for civil engineering in Brooklyn, and 
I had a friend who I went to high school with. His name was Idris, and uh, he was a, he's a musician. And I think one time he was just having lunch, and he said to me, he was like, hey, man, let me, let me ask you a real question. And I was like, what's up, man? He goes, um, do you see yourself being happy with what you're doing, with what you're pursuing? And I was like, oh, shit, you know, I've never thought about that. You know, happiness and, and the job that you do just doesn't, it didn't work in my upbringing. Like that's right. about the money. It was about, it's, it was yeah. always about the money. The you know? stability. Yeah, especially yeah. an immigrant family coming in. It was like, you know, let's make as much money as you can yeah. to live comfortably. And New York is an expensive city, man. It is. So It is, man. And, and I just never thought about it, and it just kind of rocked my world. And I was just like, man, I don't, yeah. You know, and I thought about it, and I thought about my future in that moment. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think I'll be happy being a civil engineer. I'll just, I'm just doing it for the money. And he goes, well, well what makes you happy? He goes, well... I guess I like watching movies. He goes, well, why don't you go to film school? And I go, yeah, maybe I'll give that a shot. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> yes. so, and I did. And I, and I, I went to film school in Long Island. Uh, and I just, I, I went for two years. I kind of dropped out after two years. Okay. I had a choice, actually. It was a professor that came up to me. I was like, hey, man. Because while I was in, in, in college, um, I was working a lot outside of the school on, on little film projects and making connections and networking. Uh, you know, the New York hustle. And then, right. But I would miss a lot of classes. And the professor was just like, man, you, why don't you just drop out? Like, you just, you're not in class. And, yeah. But they were all very supportive. And I was just like, yeah, I think it's time for me to just like And your parents out. were cool with that? I mean, not cool at yeah, all. I was going to say. Not cool. They really didn't understand um, what I was going for. You know, they, right. they didn't like the decision that I made of not pursuing civil engineering. Then going to film school, you know, pursuing the arts. It was just something that did, didn't make sense to them. Uh, and then, and then dropping out of, of, of an art school, you know, I was just like, man, what is, what is he? Yeah. They, they didn't, they didn't think I would make it. You know, like, are you on drugs? What is it? Drugs? What I, is it? I, I can guarantee my mom thought that at yeah. some point. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. And then, uh, and then, and then, you know, working outside of school, not getting paid. That was also like, what are you doing? You're working for free. <laughs> yeah. You're working <laughs> for free, living at home. Now, now you think about it in hindsight, like working in film and it sounds so smart, right? Yeah, you know. it's such a good decision like working for free long hours yeah it sounds Not like a pay. good plan yeah. <laughs> yeah. so they didn't they, they just didn't get it and then you know um you know my father was like he's strict so he's like man you know what are you doing my mom would sometimes slide me 20, a 20 dollar bill like, okay you know I, I know you need it you know here you go so yeah. it was like things like that it was a struggle in the beginning man it was a struggle i remember uh my mom and my aunt had an intervention with me at one point. Uh, they were like, you know, my aunt called me up and she was like, hey, you know, I really got to talk to you. It was on my birthday, too. I think I was 22 or something. And she was like, listen, you know, I think I think you should just pursue film as a hobby, like on the weekends, yeah. you know, and just get a, get, a, get a job and do film on the weekends. And I was just like, man, they just, they just don't get it. Um, so it was a struggle in the beginning. When was the first time you made money? Man, um... I, I started out doing music videos, and I, I, it was definitely on a music video. Oh, you know what? Actually, take it back. I, the first job I got was shooting, following a baker around, and it was a guy by the name of Cake Man Raven. And, <laughs> yeah. Wow, sounds great. He was, he was like... He sold, sold cakes out of his trunk? That's what I, it sounds like. Hey, you want some bread? Hey, yeah. Cake Man Raven, come on. <laughs> He was like the king of like red velvet cakes. Like he just really <laughs> proclaimed. Yeah, That's I mean, thing. that was his thing. And then, you know, they, they needed someone to follow him around to do like, just like, like, like just a documentary on him. And I remember just being hired to do that. And I would make, I don't know, 
hundred bucks a week, yeah. you know, it was like, but that were was like the first job. Were you job. shooting or were you doing something else on set? Everything, man. I was okay. shooting, editing, and then doing my own sound. Yeah. yeah. How was the whole thing? How was the cake, if I may ask? Incredible. <laughs> Well-deserved. Really Got paid in cakes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was like my, fir- I think my first gig. And then I started doing uh, music videos, um, mostly music videos and documentaries and just like corporate jobs are music videos easy or corporate jobs easy compared to like actually film making a film you want to make i think it depends on the creative but generally they're a bit easier i would say than making like a narrative feature film unless the band is giving you trouble (laughs) (laughs) they only want hero shots right right (laughs) but i think it's easier uh you know I think there's two paths you can take, right? You can take the music video commercial path and uh, and just eventually make a ton of money, but then it'll be harder to break into narrative once you're stuck in the commercial and music video world. I was gonna say, is that the is that the play? Like when you're starting off, you do music videos, commercials, then you gravitate towards the film, or do you just hit film and just stay there? I think like, it's I think it's easier to get into commercials and music videos and then try to break into narrative, uh, and and that was the path that I was on, and in. But it, it kind of, it was a moment uh, in my life where that kind of changed and I started pursuing uh, narrative. Um, and I, I remember it was, I was in Atlanta shooting a music video and I remember waking up in the hotel room. Cause at, at these music videos I was shooting, they're just poorly produced. They, mm. you know, not a lot of money. Right. Uh, and typical low budget. Typical low budget, video. you know. Hip, there. Yeah, hip hop music videos, which can sometimes yeah. get a little sketchy. I'll, I'll save some stories for later. Yeah, yeah. All right, we love those stories. I love, I love hip hop music videos. And I mean, I mean, it was one in Memphis where I thought my AC and I were just gonna get killed. killed. <laughs> it was like really bad. And, all the uh, shit's gonna get stolen. Yeah. It sounds like a legit band though. It's you had a red legit. camera. It was just uh, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can usually tell by the crafty, what, what kind of what kind of shoot this is gonna be like. Zero crafty. Exactly. So you already so know. You're like, yeah, so. hey, is there a coffee? Nah, man. Like, yeah. Just right, red just vines, just a tub of red <laughs> vines. <laughs> But I remember waking up in the hotel room and just like really not wanting to go, wanting to go into work. And I was just like, man, I don't want to do this. And I started to hate what I was doing. And I was like, I, I, I really love shooting and I really love filmmaking. I don't want to hate what I do. So I need to change something, you know, because I don't want to start hating this. And so I made a decision to stop shooting music videos and just kind of went into shooting short films and little projects like that. Um, but in doing so, I went back to like kind of zero, shooting short films for free and just making right. a little bit of money here, uh, shooting, you know, senior thesis projects and things like that. And, you know, it was more creative. It had more creative fulfillment shooting narrative pieces, but you don't get paid the best on these projects. So, you know, I started going the narrative route. And once you go that route, you know, then you don't really shoot commercials anymore. You don't really do that as much you're kind of now now on the narrative path and right and, but um, but the thing with that is that sometimes you have to take every narrative project that comes your way to pay the bills mm. so it's it's kind of it's even if it's yeah so yeah, that includes like the lower budget indie stuff obviously yeah or the little shorts that the director's got a passion project or something yeah i mean my, my first feature film we shot for ten thousand dollars okay all right and, uh, yeah it was yeah. just the nac and i and the director and a few actors and in it. pennsylvania somewhere what was that first feature uh, it was called Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> yeah. okay. You may have heard of it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's like it. Yeah. Uh, Blair Witch Project. You know, <laughs> uh, it was called Watch Me. It was like a horror film we okay. shot in Penhurst, Pennsylvania. Um, it was like the director was Ben Samuels, still a good friend of mine. Uh, and uh, we've shot two other projects since. We've shot three feature films together. Watch Me Two and Watch <laughs> Me Three. Yeah, <laughs> four on the way. Yeah. So. 
Uh, and it was interesting. We shot in a, an abandoned um, a saint asylum. It was like this big community. Um, Did you guys just roll up guerrilla style, or was it like we got, got permits for this? Yeah, yeah. He got permission. Asylum. Okay. It was like a handshake permission. Like, yeah, we just <laughs> want to shoot something. This here. guy's the owner. Is just like some sketchy dude that lives there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But it was just the AC and I with a with a three ton grip truck and a generator just wow. doing it all and just kind of wow. trying to make the best out of it. Wow, yeah, those are those are rough shoots though sometimes. Oh, man. super rough, man! Yeah. I from that shoot I had like a permanent like shoulder damage from that. <laughs> that hasn't that was like almost ten years ago. So without I don't want to backtrack too much, but uh, what are your favorite movies? Like, why did you like what movies did you see as a kid that was like, man, this is why I love watching movies and getting into filmmaking? So I always enjoyed movies. Uh, but it never occurred to me to, that I could make them right. or, you know, or what it meant, what I was watching, how to make me feel. I never thought about that. It was just entertainment. And I think once I made the decision, I was like, maybe I should go to film school. And, you know, I think at that point, I started to look at movies at, at a, in a different light. And during that era, I remember watching um, uh, Requiem for a Dream. I love uh, that movie. Yeah. This guy never stops talking <laughs> about incredible. it. It's my favorite one. It is, yeah. It's a really good movie, though. That's a great movie. And that was the movie that made me think, like, whoa. Like, it just had a, an impact on me. And I was like, man, it, it just emotionally, it just yeah. like, changed my perspective on filmmaking. And I started thinking, wow, you, you can make movies to make people feel a certain way. Because I've never, never thought about it that way. And that was, like, the first movie that I kind of recognized that could elicit emotions. You know, so I was like, yeah. Yeah just you see those characters with all like the hope and they're they're doing something yeah, and then it just all falls apart and i think that that had you know watching that at that time kind of you know you know curated what i like now they were it's such a tragic movie yeah. and i like tragic movies now and i like yeah. filming tragic films so yeah yeah a lot of your stuff is really dark oh man yeah but it's, <laughs> it's it looks really cool i for me i just feel like you can shape you, you can elicit so much emotion in the way that you present light on an actor's face or in an environment, you know, because if everything was just brightly lit and flat, there's just no feeling behind it. It's a Disney movie. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, it's a sitcom. Yeah. Hey. So I feel like if you can turn off the audio and you can follow what the film is trying to say visually, then I think that's a success for me. So. Yeah. Do you have uh, what are your, some of your influences now? Like, I feel like like some of the stuff I saw had like Refn vibes a little yeah. bit. Yeah, oh man. Refn. I love Refn. Love Drive. Yeah, dude. Love Drive. Have you seen that new show, Too Old to Die Young at all? I haven't yet. Okay, dude, yeah. I think you would. Yeah. Every like, I mean, I've only seen the pilot episode of it, but he's one of my favorite directors. And like, I just remember seeing like a lot of like promos when that show came out that like every, it was like a cinematographer's wet dream. Because <laughs> like every single frame is just like, just crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, and that's what I love. I love like the calculated, let's think about this frame. What does it mean? We're not here to just cover a scene. We're here to craft it. Like, how do we, what, how do we say something with this? You know, and, and that's the kind of mentality I like to go in when making something. And you work with the director beforehand or sometimes you direct, but you're like you, a lot of your stuff is cinematography, right? Uh, all of it. All of it, except yeah. for the Emmy winning. One. Well, that was interesting. So I'm listed as a director on there, oh. but yeah, I, I, saw I, that. I, I, I didn't direct it. Uh, so who directed? Wait, and for the folks at home, uh, yes. would you give a what little is bio? This we're talking yeah. About? yeah, you won an yeah. Emmy. So you won an Emmy. So Tell I won, us about that. I won an Emmy. So modest. And uh, it, so I just I found when I got nominated for it, I found out that it wasn't for like the prime. You know, it wasn't prime time. And I and I discovered that there are multiple Emmy award ceremonies throughout the year for different categories. 
Uh, there's daytime Emmys, you know, the primetime Emmys that we know and love. And then this right. one was like the LA Emmys. So it was mm -hmm. like, you know, commercials and things that were shot in LA that aired in LA. And I shot a promo for the LA Dodgers. The Kirk Gibson, the Kirk Gibson story. Yeah. yeah. With uh, George Lopez, yeah. Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson, one yeah. of the best actors out there. Yeah. Who else? Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe and a bunch yeah. of other familiar faces. Yeah. And I, so it w I was hired by the, the Dodgers internal uh, production team. Okay. So there was like a, a bunch of producers and editors. And they just knew you or how did you land the gig? I, I landed the gig from a mutual, so it kind of, from a mutual, so I, so just to backtrack, I, I shot uh, with these producers that produced Romney Malko's directorial debut. Oh, I like him. Prison Logic. I didn't know he directed. Yeah, so this was oh, his first piece, which hasn't oh, come cool, out man. yet. And it's coming out. Uh, Is it a comedy too? or It's a mockumentary. Well, uh, interesting. Which was interesting for me because I, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a whole story there. I don't know if you want me to go into that I or kind of go back to the Emmy. He's a, he's a funny dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's so, a 40 year old virgin. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Of yeah. So, yeah. So, key, so I, 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 I had shot that with the producers. Then the producers hooked me up with this, with my, this friend of mine, uh, Chris Parker, who works for, who at the time worked for uh, the Clippers. And he's like, hey, I'm looking for someone to shoot this, this narrative commercial. And I shot that. Uh, and then he hooked me up with a friend of his, Julian Gooden, who at the time worked at, for the LA Dodgers. And that's how I, I, they, they hired me. Uh, and they just wanted me to add like a cinematic flair to it. And they just wanted me to, you know, to shoot it. Yeah. Um, but there was just kind of, I guess, when it came to the nominations, there was like a, a, some kind of a miscommunication. And I was listed as director and not cinematographer. And then you that kind of stuck. I'll take it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how that happened. And this is how your directing career launched. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> right. So what are you directing now? <laughs> <laughs> but did you know that it was going to be up for an Emmy? Like, were you no. aware? Did you know I it was special? I didn't. I didn't. I remember at the time just thinking, oh, this is a cool job. I get to shoot something for the Dodgers. And I didn't think that it would, you know, go anywhere, really. Now, yeah. this isn't the That's usual right. stuff that Samuel L. Jackson or Rob Lowe, uh, you know, this isn't like a movie. This was like a story of a, you know, commercial for the Dodgers almost. Yeah. Um, but like a story about the Dodgers. Did they show up like knowing their stuff? Like yeah, were, yeah. I mean, George Lopez is a super Dodger fan, right? Uh, and he was like on, and he was willing, and he gave us as much time as we needed, and he was just happy to be there. Uh, same thing with Sam. Um, so it was just Rob Lowe. On the other hand, no, Rob Lowe was great. We went to his house. Oh, nice. He's you know, like, I'll only do it if you guys come to me. <laughs> yeah, well, it was beautiful. Everyone property. else came to Dodger Stadium, though. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So it was, it was, it was fun. It was cool. cool. What's your favorite Samuel L. Jackson movie? Man, that's a that's a tough one. Um, so I, on this performance, 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 yeah, blacksmiths, black snake moan. No, uh, <laughs> that's, right. that's, that's dark. Just, I actually haven't seen that. Yes. I haven't seen it either. Uh, man, it's, it's got to be Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Pulp it's Fiction. It's classic. Yeah. I would, anything Tarantino. Uh, his, I mean, Django. His role oh, in Django is so good, especially so when he takes Candy aside and tells him. They are here for uh, Hildy or whatever. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'll tell you a funny story about Sam. Um, when we were shooting him, you remember he had he had his glasses on. We were shooting him on a green screen, and you know, it was just reflections in his glasses. Oh, that was a green screen. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. really? It looked so really we, good. Yeah, we sh so we shot we shot the green screen him on the green screen, and then we went to the Dodger Stadium and the actual like locker room and uh, okay. kind of lit it for that. Got it. Uh, but I remember going to the producer. and I was like, Hey, man, listen. Um, can you can you ask him to take his glasses off because the glare is like really bad and they're like oh okay okay cool 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 he goes up to sam he goes hey sam uh do you mind taking your glasses off because we, we just can't really 
you can't really see your eyes. And he just stood quiet for a second. He goes, no, motherfucker, I can't see. <laughs> so I was like, oh, man. So he took the heat for that, for my request. And I was yeah. just like, oh, See, that's sorry, one of those man. times where, like, as a DP, you're like, I'm going to let them take this. Yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to like, really see what's happening. But did he need to see? It, there was no teleprompter. It was just there was No, there actually was a teleprompter. Oh, okay. So okay, he, he definitely did. did need to see. Fair enough. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's but, fair. Uh, yeah. But nice, man. So that, that's congratulations on that, oh, thank man. You. That's, that's thank really you. awesome. Yeah. Um, I, have a, I have a question. Go ahead. And at, I don't want to be ridiculed for this. Maybe this is too basic. But after you won the Emmy, did your world career-wise open up? Basic. Were people, did you notice an instant change in terms of the credibility that it added? Or is it too soon to tell? I think it's too soon to tell. Um, you know, when I got nominated, I was like, oh, that's cool. That'd be, that'd be, that would be awesome. And then didn't think about it. And then the day came and we're there. We're sitting in the room, in the, in the auditorium. And like another Dodger piece was nominated right before us and we're sitting there and, and that piece won. The specific Dodgers category of the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> and that piece won and I'm sitting there and I was like, oh, we're not going to win because they can't win like two, two awards in a row. Yeah. But we did. And then won the award, brought it home and it just all feels surreal. It doesn't feel real. Mm. Uh, and How does it feel as a Mets fan? <laughs> you know, they, I always get my balls busted for wearing a Mets hat yeah, in LA. On set too, you're like, can you take that damn thing off? <laughs> yeah. And I go, don't forget, the Dodgers came from Brooklyn. So. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it, it hasn't hit yet, I don't think. Um, and it still doesn't feel real. Um, I see it every morning on my mantle. I was like, oh, that's cool. But it's good that you, it's, it's being used on a mantle, not a, yeah. not a paperweight. Or right. I was hoping you'd bring it. I was thinking about it, but I didn't want to like walk around with it. I'd be really pretend to bring it to the Whole Foods. And These guys walk around with an IPA and an Emmy. You know what's that funny? That would have been funny. Yeah, right. You know, you know what's funny? I um, I uh, the the night we won, we went to a restaurant, and I, I was thinking, I was like, all right, do I put it in the box or do I bring it to the rep, restaurant exposed? Right. And I was like, oh, I'll keep it exposed. We didn't have reservations. We just went. Yeah. And then I guess them seeing it made them give us the best seat in the house. And oh, I was really? Like, oh, benefits. Sorry, yeah. sir. We uh, we're all full for. Oh, hey, come on yeah, in. Yeah, everyone was looking at us as we walked to yeah. like this. this you, area. you watched them pull a couple guests off their table. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> all right, you gotta go. You gotta go. You go. Yeah. So that was that was funny. My question is, uh, now that you've got the Emmy, um, obviously, I've, I'm sure a lot of roads will open up for you. Does this give validation to your parents now? Like, how did they feel about it? Were they excited? Yeah, I mean, super excited. My mom was like, you know over the moon you know she was like really happy uh and i think now i mean well before the emmy they, they've kind of accepted and, yeah. and and realized that that i'm gonna be okay that it's, I'm, a, it's I'm a career it's a career right you know making money and i'm not yeah. struggling and so this kind of was just like solidified it all and so what do you think it where was it at one point that they you felt like they finally understood i think when i moved out of the house and i could support myself and just like and I started making income that they were like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. Know, so. I, I know that's hard because like I'm saying first generation too. Yeah. My parents are from Mexico and Colombia. Oh, cool. Um, and it's the same thing, man. It's yeah. like nobody in my family's really in the arts. So it's like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you should just get a job. And I'm like, yeah, well, that kind of sucks. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> sucks. Right. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't sound fun. And it's like, I could, but I'll be miserable in my whole life. Yeah. You know? like, that's okay. You're like, yeah, but look at me. I'm miserable for the last 30 years. Because of you. <laughs> you were an accident. Uh, yeah. No, but I get it, man. It's, yeah. it's definitely because I felt like I felt that same need to of trying to get validation when I moved out here and was like, 
how are you going to survive? And it's like, you can always, that's a hobby. What are you going to really do? You know? So I get that. I get that feeling, man. I remember using that as fuel. You know, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta prove to them that this is like real, that I'm really, I'm taking this serious and this is going to be my career. And that kind of helped me in the beginning, just just kind of just push forward and keep the hustle and the passion. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest misconception when it comes to people who are interested in uh, cinematography that you have learned by now, but what, what don't people get about it? Uh, I I guess they think that we eventually want to become directors, you know, which is interesting because they're like, oh, cinematography is cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, And they always think that we want to direct. And I've had actually directors ask me if I wanted to direct. Just the way I approach things, I, I, before talking shots and just breaking it down, I like to get into the core of like the actor, the scenes, uh, I mean, sorry, I said actor, the character, the scenes, and, and, and what it means, and, and what the director's trying to say, and really get in depth with the, with the psychology of it all. And so I guess that, because of that, a lot of directors are like, oh, do you, do you want to direct? And I'm just like, no, I, I don't want to direct, but I just want to really understand where you're coming from, so I can be an extension of you, and kind of just create this thing as best as we can. And Why don't you want to direct? Is it because you like crafting the picture better than the whole? I think so. I, I remember in, in college, there was, a, there was a defining moment. Because when I went to, to, to film school, uh, I, at that point, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, if I wanted to direct or if I wanted to, uh, to shoot. I, I didn't know what I wanted. I was just kind of learning it all and just doing everything. And I remember we needed to shoot a school project. And I was directing and shooting. And in that moment, I remember focusing more on the visuals than the performance of the actor. And I was like, this means something. Mm. And I was just like, okay. You're like, that actor sucks. But <laughs> no, no. Damn, this light, this shot looks good. <laughs> yeah. right. You know? So, yeah. Yeah, there's something about that, though. Yeah. But it sounds like, I mean, you sound like kind of like a director's dream, in a sense, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so, you know. Uh, some directors are not interested, though, in, in getting into the psychology of things. They just mm-hmm. want to collect, shoot, and, and, and just cover a scene. Get paycheck. Yeah. When's lunch? When's lunch? <laughs> What's up with this crafty? Yeah. Um, but how is it working with a director that's really new? Like, let's say they know nothing about cameras. Is, has that, I'm sure on some of these smaller projects, you've probably worked with some of these people. Yeah. And What's that like? That, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think that if they have zero ego and they come in like super humble and they're like, let's, you know, how do we do this? Uh, I think that's the best case scenario because then we can really talk about things and we can, you know, walk into it together. Um, but if like you were working with a, a, a new young director and they just like, yeah, I'm, I'm like the best, you know, it, that can be a little yeah. challenging because they're, say they, they decide to shoot something in a certain way and it just, it's not working for the scene. And I try to explain that and they're just not hearing me. Right. We can, you know, it can, it can, it can be a problem when it comes to, you ultimately would have to shut up because he's the director. Right? At, at the, yeah, ultimately. And so I, I can, I can plead my case and say, Hey, this is what I think. This is why I think it, what right. do you think? You know, but you just have to just yeah. succumb to, but that hasn't really yeah. happened. You know, okay. I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with directors that are very, you know, level-headed and understanding and, and, and you're level-headed. So they probably respond to you and are grateful for your yeah. point of view. Yeah. And I, and I try to, I guess, approach it in a way where it's like, let me, let me just hear them. Let me understand them. Let me, let me be their ally. You know, a lot of times I've seen cinematographers that are just trying to shoot like their reels or they're trying to get like the best looking picture ever yeah. and, and kind of like forget about the story, forget about the director's needs or their voice. And I think going in that way, you know, 
trying to understand the director. I think they're they're a bit more open. Yeah. You know, I like to you know break bread with directors and just kind of sit with them and just talk about things unrelated to the project. Just get to really get, get to know them a little more. I think my my go to meal is always ramen. I feel like it's it's like let's get some ramen. Let's uh, fulfilling. Yeah, yeah. Ever since college. Yeah. Ramen. <laughs> I went from cup of noodles to like the true Japanese. Style, so it's an upgrade. There you go. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you real quick about. Um, I was kind of going going through IMDb, but there was one that project that looked interesting to me was Eyes of the Dead. Oh yeah. That one shot POV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, first of all, was it really one shot? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can say. Hey, I mean, Hot take. It's, adver- it's advertising the trailer. I don't know. How long is it? How long is it's it? It's like hour and a half, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It so it's really movie. one shot. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's, it's all right. So it's a, it's a it's an hour and a half in, in kind of real time. Uh, same director I did my first feature with, uh, Ben, ben Samuels. Samuels. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, it was it was interesting, man. The, the, the funny thing about that is a week and a half before shooting, uh, the, Ben and, the, and, and his brother who was helping him, you know, produce it. Uh, we decided to play pickup game of like soccer, and which is a, a mistake because I sprained my ankle. And oh, so geez. a week before shooting, I'm like, man. But fortunately, uh, I didn't have to operate the camera. We had, you know, Ben actually wore the rig. So he was. So he was the guy that was doing the whole. Yeah. Thing. Okay. So he thought, okay, so, you know, I'm going to act in this, be the, the, the eyes and I'm going to wear the rig. So that way it was easier for him to communicate with the actors and get him to do what he wants and control the camera. And this was inspired by Hardcore Henry. You know, it, it was around the same time. Um, Hardcore Henry ha- hadn't come out yet. Oh. Or Birdman, right? No, Birdman wasn't POV. It was one yeah. shot, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. right, POV. Yeah. Uh, but it was interesting. It was a, It's a point-of-view zombie movie, which I haven't seen. And fun, like, dude. Like yeah. Just watching game. the trailer, I was like, oh, this seems like fun. I'd kinda, I want to watch this. Yeah. Like, I was like, cool. It takes you through a journey for sure, and, and there's some unexpected things that happen, and, you know, it's kind of cool. I'm curious about the rig. Like, what... So how... What did you guys have mounted to him and how did that whole setup work? You know, it's funny. Uh, we created like this Frankenstein rig because at the time the technology wasn't really there. Like you, you, you see it now and there's like these awesome POV rigs mm. that you could use. You're like James, James Cameron, you, uh, you helped the technology grow. Yeah. <laughs> well, this one was, <laughs> this one was uh, like really scrappy and makeshift and we wore, cool. you know, it was like a paper, a, paper mache. Man, it was like a, coat hanger, a hiking vest with like I don't know cables and wires and just like yeah. rods and just to hold the camera next to the, the Ben's head. And so the camera was right here. Yeah, it was off to the side to okay. the right of him. What kind of camera did you guys use? We shot on a red, you know. Really? Yeah, because I thought I'd like this to be as cinematic as possible. Mm. Um, I don't want to shoot on a GoPro or a DSLR or anything like that. I want to be able to control the iris and the look yeah. of it and all that stuff. So were you on a monitor watching yeah. as this was going on? Okay. Yeah. Pulling the iris and wow, how many? I know it was a single take, but like how many takes? Like was it hard for him because he had to keep adjusting like to get the shot he wants? I'm sure that's hard, since it was like jerry rigged. Was that like? I mean, did that take a while to get the shots you guys were looking for? Uh, there were certain certain scenes that were just like super easy. Oh show. really? But but some scenes we had to do multiple times. Um, one of, one of my favorite scenes in the. I mean, I don't know if I'm giving away anything by saying this. But I think you're selling the movie, buddy. Yeah, hey, yeah. You're making us want to go see it. You can just tell us. I'll tell you guys. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> so Ben wouldn't mind. Nobody's listening. Yeah, I'm sure Ben wouldn't mind. Ben, oh. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's a scene where you know the eyes becomes a zombie, and it's interesting. So he gets bit and he starts to transform. He becomes a zombie. Yeah, which Whoa, is like cool. really interesting. So it's interesting to see like the visual transformation of that too. So, so you see his arms changing and stuff. Yeah. So his there's hands. like you know. Yeah. 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 So. The, whoop. 
Okay. So there's a. No need to get angry. Got a little excited. <laughs> might, might. So there's so he gets bit and then he 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 goes into the um, the basement and he's just like really doing bad and he's like about to transform and he kind of just falls over and it cuts to black and then he like raises back up and he's looking into a mirror you know oh. and what's interesting with the key grip at that point wore the rig and we adjusted the mirror in a way where uh, Ben was you know we see Ben's reflection right. well, and then so Ben and the key grip had to move that you know match their movements and it was just like looking at themselves you know looking at himself in the mirror and just kind of mm. seeing the transformation and ultimately he chases after everyone and it was, it was just kind of cool nice that's that's really cool yeah yeah i mean that had to be pretty so, hard yeah though. it sounds like one hell of a movie to shoot yeah <laughs> it was it was fun man it was fun and we shot it in uh, his ben's hometown in doylestown pennsylvania uh well, we're know. from ohio so oh cool amish country oh yeah <laughs> yeah is that amish country or what pennsylvania has a lot of amish ohio yeah. has a lot of amish quaker state they call it yeah yeah. yeah isn't that so, like a good weekend getaway with like the significant other no, I mean they the Amish host uh, families like, a like bed, bed breakfast or something. You don't even have to stay the night, but you go there at six o'clock. That's when or four o'clock because the sun goes down at six, and you have like a huge dinner and you can do stuff and then you leave. You I mean you could could stay the night I guess, but they definitely uh, so no electricity. They'll take your money and make your food. Horse and carriage. No type of thing? no electricity. Horse and carriage. That's why once it gets dark, it's five thirty or six. That's it. You got to leave or hang out with the candles. Oh, really? Or yeah. go to bed. <laughs> That's what they do. Go to bed. By the way, you, have, you guys have seen Kingpin? No, you guys haven't seen Kingpin. Have you seen I, Kingpin? Yeah, no, I've seen I haven't. Seen it. Nobody's Aaron. seen that. Oh, you've seen that? Yeah. You know, in the in the movie, obviously he's Amish. They have like that one day a year where they're allowed to go free yeah, from. Is that a real thing? Yeah, it's real. Oh. When, oh, when, they, when they turn 18, they the go kid, to Vegas. Aaron did a movie. Yeah, about I, I, I had a short film where I played one of these guys. And they, they turn, um, it's Rumspringa, and that Kids are allowed to go out for one year and do whatever they want. Use electricity, buy whatever they want, wear whatever they want. And after drugs, the, alcohol, whatever. Well, you're not supposed to do drugs, but you could. You can yeah. drink. No, nobody's watching you. Yeah, you drink. Um, and uh, after one year, you have to either, you you should, according to them, choose to come back to the Amish life. And Wait, you have a whole year to do a whole this? Year. Yeah, it's a whole oh, year. Oh, I thought it was only a day. No, it's a whole year. But if you don't choose that, then you are shunned from society. Do they give you money when you go? To, uh, to I don't know. Life? I yeah, wonder. Who funds this thing? <laughs> yeah. You did the movie. I don't know what, like, I'm sure it's different for every family. Hey, dude, I thought we charged the battery. It's, um, no, it's gone. Is the battery? Uh, Isn't it flashing? Uh, the battery, well, I just plug, put it in right there. Anyway, let's is, keep going. Is this yeah, still the podcast? <laughs> I, I wonder what the percentage the of people that come back versus the amount of people that stay. Yeah, a lot. That would be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you give up your family. Would you yeah. never see your family again to be able to use a computer? I mean, would I? I, I don't have that problem. I'm not Amish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But some people do. Easy, dude. It sounds like a, I don't know, good gig. Hey, have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? <laughs> I have, yesterday, actually. Oh, really? So kind of late to it. What'd you think? Give us your take. I liked it, man. It was kind of, you know, some people hate it. You know, they just think that the film had no point and no right. no plot. I loved just, it. But I, I loved it. It was I just it was like great. a yeah, a little story. People little slice of Hollywood. That's what yeah, I said, exactly. said about Jackie Brown too. It was kinda of like a walking around movie, but I loved it, dude. Brad Pitt was in all my favorite scenes. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. loved Leo was great. I thought there was some really good stuff with him yeah. in there. Yeah. A friend of mine, he didn't like how they treated the the Sharon Tate thing, like the alternate history thing. Oh. Uh, I don't know if that was a spoiler. I apologize <laughs> yeah. for those who haven't Wait, seen it's it. It's all good. Does she die or i don't know oh. you know to see but but i i kind of like that that he does that that tarantino does things like that yeah, yeah. it's his own little world yeah nobody had a problem when he uh you know killed hitler right <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 
<laughs> so. You mean that's not how he died in the movie theater? <laughs> yeah, there it goes. Oh. I don't understand what happened though, because he charged it. I don't know. Well, I mean, it was charging. But now it we was, know it was, it was there for days. And now we know for the future. <laughs> to get a new battery? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, we still is, the audio. We're still rolling. We're still yeah. going. Um, my favorite cinematography. One of them was when Brad Pitt was at the ranch and Spawn Ranch. Spawn Ranch. Yeah, I just liked. It seemed like when he's walking away and she's like, "It was a mistake that you came here." And he's like, "Just what I was thinking." And uh, uh, George isn't the blind one. You're the one who's blind, yeah. and it gets that you know music, that rocking music, and then you see everybody yelling at him, and he's walking right. away. That's yeah. Great. Is that what you were talking about? Well, I was talking about <laughs> okay. right before really. where he's going to visit Bruce Stern, and I just oh, yeah. thought they were just, they were just kind of like uh, from low angled, like the close the shots, t- the tilted shots. You thought yeah. he was going to get killed. He's great at making that tension. Yeah, there's so much tension in that whole sequence. Yeah. The whole scene, I was like, I thought oh, he was dude. a goner. Yeah, so right, I'm like, <laughs> oh, dude, don't tell me you're going to kill him, man. Yeah. Don't, no, don't kill him, dude. Yeah, he's such a cool dude. But now I wish I had that Hawaiian shirt that Brad Pitt wore. That's going to be oh. the go-to Halloween costume. Yeah, dude. That final scene was was wild. Though. I like that with the dogs and stuff. Yeah, that, that was, was great. That was fun. Yeah, so good. That was a lot of fun. It was like a lot of Tarantino there. And it yeah. really was Brad Pitt doing the heavy lifting. He was doing the stuntman work. And then at the end, Leonardo DiCaprio, the actor, comes out with the flamethrowers. Yeah, so <laughs> it's like a metaphor, dude. Yeah. Great. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was really good. Um, any other uh, any other main influences that you have on some of your work? Yeah, you know, I... Because I love the dark style, man. It's really cool. I love... Uh, you know, it, I kind of... I don't know how that developed, you know, within me. I, I think it was just something... I don't know. A lot of stuff in there we need I, to talk about. Yeah, some <laughs> darkness for sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my wife makes fun of me all the time. She was like, man, you're just, just, your style is just super dark. And She's then, like, who are you? Yeah, she's <laughs> like, what's going on here? What happened as a kid? Yeah. Talk to me. <laughs> but I, I just I just dig it, you know. Um, as far as influences, you know, the cliche is Roger Deakins for sure, yeah. you know, and, and primarily because he services the story. Uh, who is Roger Deakins? I don't know. Some most some, famous DP ever. Yeah, he's is a, he? He's I a, really don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so I bet some of your favorite movies he's shot yeah. for sure. So he shot, you know, a lot of Coen Brothers films. Oh, okay. Um, no I Country for Old Men. I love the Coen Brothers. He shot Blade Runner. Okay. The newest one. Yeah, and no. A lot of things. I like don't that. know the name, but I'm familiar that, with this. That movie, yeah. the the newest one. Like, oh my god. Yeah. I was like, that was my favorite movie that year. Which one? Blade, the new uh, Blade Runner 2049. Oh, yeah. I loved it, man. Dude, it was like a three-hour movie, but like literally it didn't feel like one. And I was like in Same. that movie just like the visuals are just ridiculous. Like this is such a sick movie. And like, th- yeah, dude. And that director, Denis Villeneuve, yeah, was like he's that. so good. I would, man, I would love to work with him for did sure. Did you see Enemy? I, I did. Yeah. I love that movie. That was a good movie too. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Uh, his, his first one, I think, is Polytechnique. The black and white. I never saw that school one. shooting one. Did he also do Prisoners? He did Prisoners. That was a cool one. Sicario. Yeah, yeah great. One. He's great, man. Arrival is one of my. Oh yeah, that, top, that was top. that was a really cool movie yeah. too. Yeah, man. That's so. So Deacon's for sure as an inspiration because he services the story. So you look at his films, you know, you see the the, the typical like Deacon's like look, and you know it's him, but but not all the time because he's like in service of the story. Uh, and I would say, you know, one of the the, the younger cinematographers, Bradford Young, he's like. Real inspiration to me. He shot Arrival. What has he done? Okay. Arrival. Okay. Uh, Ain't Them Body Saints. Uh, you know, he, he did Han Solo recently. Okay. But um, so he he kind of he's an inspiration because he he shoots in a way that's true to himself and what he believes in. You know, so he he has this whole psychology with with how he shoots and why he shoots, and he tries to put a piece of himself in the project. And it's interesting because that's how I approach 
uh, projects as well. So it's kind of nice to see that someone has like the same beliefs and approach that I have. And he's also like into like super dark images too, but which is put, cool. Put a piece of yourself in just in your choices, like as a cinematographer. Yeah, and just like your perspective, right? Um, you know, instead of just being like a yes man and be like, oh, you want to do that? Okay, let's do that. You want to do this? Okay, let's do that. Mm. And, and just approaching it like, well, you know, what do you think about this? This is how I see this. What do you think about it? Let's talk about it. Let's try to collaborate, know, collaborate from my experiences mixed right. with your experiences. And let's just, just have this like unique marriage and put your style forward, you know, without getting in the way. Right. So. The, the, the least thing you want to do. Has, has yeah. any actor ever kind of given you shit about something? Oh, no, man. I mean, again, thinking about oh, it, they've I mean, all been he's good. too chill. Samuel Jackson. Said <laughs> well, <it>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I would have like, you know, said it to, like I can't believe you asked them that, man. Wrong, no, but I, I think they really appreciate how I approach things. I, I would think, you know, just because they they see that I'm into it and they see that I'm trying to present them in the best light. And if you're trying to service the story, yeah. I think everybody's on that same page. Yeah. So out of curiosity, when those days when when it was lean, like DP work, what did you do for a survival? Like, you would, man, how'd you make money? When I uh, so in the beginning, going to film school. Uh, I was working first first year of film school. I was working at the Empire State Building. I was uh, working like at the kiosk, the observatory. I was like selling Classic souvenirs. Tourist trap. Yeah, dude. And I would work from like. Did you hate that or no? I did, man. So many damn yeah, people I, coming in here. It like, was it was rough, but it was easy to yeah. disappear with the with the. So I could like disappear for like twenty <laughs> minutes, and no one would know where I would go and yeah. just chill out. But I would work from six p.m. to two a.m. and then. Okay. And then have to go to school the next day at, for an 8 a.m. class. And this was all the way in Long Island. Mm. You know, being from Brooklyn and New Yorker, I, I, didn't, I didn't drive. You know, driving in New York yeah. was a luxury. You know, it, was, it wasn't a necessity because uh, right. public transportation was so good. But now that I had to go to Long Island, I had to figure out public transportation out there, which is like the suburbs, you know. Mm. So it would take me like two hours in the morning to get to school with like a train and two buses. And so, you know getting home like at 3 a.m. to wake up at like, I don't know, 5.30 to get to school. And that was like the first semester of, of, of college. And it was just, it just got really tough. Um, but it was, you know, I was making a paycheck, which was, which I was able to balance things out. And then I was just like, you know, I can't really immerse myself in film and the people that I'm here with if, if, if I'm working. Cause I would, you know, cut out early and just, just to make the bus to go back to, to go to work. So I decided second semester, I'm, I'm just not gonna work. I'm just gonna, you know, focus on school and that was tough because I didn't have like financial support you know um so I was kind of working in school to make I don't know a couple hundred bucks a week to be able to like feed myself um a couple hundred bucks for a week is not that much <laughs> it's not much at all yeah, man. especially in New York so, yeah and yeah. so and and you know and then paying for like the Long Island Railroad which would which takes me back into the city is like a ticket it was like 10 bucks one way or something like that so the money would go quick um, so I would stay on campus as much as I could and I had a buddy who was also a director. He just did a, a, a cool piece recently. Um, but, uh, uh, Ryan O'Leary, he was dorming, uh, at school and he, his roommate never showed up to, to, to his dorm. So he just had this free bed and I would just like crash with him as much as I could. And we kind of developed a relationship and we were cool and we would collaborate on a lot of things. And uh, he's like, yeah, he's, you know, when there's a sock on the door, uh, you know what that sleep, means, buddy. Sleep on a, you know, <laughs> sleeping in the street. Sleeping in the street. But it was, it was cool, man. But it was like the suburbs. It was nothing around. And I didn't drive and just kind of hitching yeah. with people it was like to go to Taco Bell, to, you know, and things like that. Just so, whatever you could get. Yeah. That's wild. But, but it was rough. And then after school, it was rough too. So, but fortunately, I could, you know, stay with my, my parents and, right. and kind of, you know, 
try to figure it out that way. They were like, if you only were a civil engineer, yeah, you, you wouldn't would be not here. have a problem. <laughs> yeah, but it got sketchy sometimes. You know, there were times where I would be like negative in the bank, and I'm like, man, questioning everything. What am I gonna do? Uh, on Craigslist, looking for a part-time job, right. and then, but always, always, a job would come up when just I would find a way. There was like always a job that would just show up, and I was just whenever I was like at the bottom, and I was like, okay, and I would work and make a little bit of money, and that, and that was that was going on for the first couple of years, and then. Eventually, I would, uh, you know, get better jobs and f get some kind of financial stability. You just never got discouraged. You just never gave yeah, up. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. You know, uh, I just kept at it, you know, because I, I, had, I had something to prove to myself and to my, my parents. And so I kind of kept, kept at it. And it paid off. And it paid off, I think. Yeah, <laughs> so. Absolutely. Well, time will tell. Yeah, time will <laughs> tell. Uh, so what's next on the radar for yeah. you? What are you getting into? Uh, right now, I'm, I've just been working on this, like, docu-series with this... Uh, with his doctor investigating like longevity and things like that. And so I've been, I was just in Ecuador shooting with him and then what's the secret, a diet, diet and Dude. intermittent fasting is what he's saying. Oh really? Yeah. So, and then I'm going to Italy in a couple of weeks to shoot out there in Sicily and Sardinia and things like that, which is cool. You guys need a couple, you need a couple friends to go with <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll carry the bags, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's, it's fun. I, you know, traveling is just such a, yeah. such a nice thing yeah. to work for when sure. You, when you travel, do they uh, send the gear out there or do you get the gear over there? It depends on the country. I know for, for Ecuador, we got the cameras here in LA and we flew with them and we okay. got the, the lights in, in Ecuador, Italy. Uh, they have a, a big industry there for filmmaking. So I think we're going to get everything out there. Cool. Any more narrative work coming up? Yeah. Um, so I might have a pilot later on in the fall, which is directed. I've been working with a lot. Uh, Russian director, her name is Yana. And she's like super, super interesting with how she approaches filmmaking. You know, she's all about visual storytelling. She doesn't really like dialogue. And mm. she has a, I, I kind of like compare her to Tarkovsky in a way, Andre Tarkovsky. I'm not familiar with uh, He's a, He's this Russian director during like the Soviet Union era. Okay. And, but he was like, super controversial at the time like he was like against the government and all that so and this isn't going to be for network tv this pilot well she wants to sell it you know she's she's working with the producer um and she just wants to shoot this piece and then in hopes to get it picked up um, yeah for sure and it's a drama it's a drama again very visual very metaphorical very met metaphoric uh and she just it's funny you know i was talking to her and she just doesn't really care if the audience fully understands what? She just wants to make what she likes. Yeah, she's you know that you can make a movie for everyone or you can make it for yourself. Right. And so she's all about like this is an expression of me. This is what I want to say. And kind, so kind it's of reminds me of uh, the the director uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, oh, man. He does yeah. some weird shit. You see Dogtooth? Ah, uh, yeah, dude. Yeah. That movie's the movie's wild. Yeah. It was really weird. Did you see the the favorite? The last one I did made? see the favorite. Did you like yeah. that? I saw the favorite. I liked it. I enjoyed it. The performances yeah. were super strong. The visuals were great. Yeah. The person who played the queen was great. Yeah. 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 But it didn't feel like his typical work, you know, because he yeah. didn't write the script. A little bit but different. Yeah. But I still enjoyed it a the lot. The first time I watched it, I'm like, I don't know if I liked it. And then I watched it a second time and I'm like, and you bought a nah, rabbit. That's, that's good. Yeah. I know. I ate a <laughs> rabbit. I ate a rabbit. He did the lobster too. Yeah. Killing of Sacred Deer. Oh, I, that I one really like that movie a lot. That movie was so funny. That might be my favorite. Yeah. I actually really like that movie a lot i think more than the lobster did not yeah. see that one that was, it's worth the watch for sure yeah, that's a good one yeah anyway um dude thank you for coming on oh thanks for having um me. any plugs where can people find how you how can people find you you have a venmo how is the what's the best yeah, yeah so you can yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on instagram where do people hire you there, uh, <laughs> you could find me on instagram okay what john uh, j-o-h-n underscore rosario r-o-s-a-r-i-o okay um but 
there's a film coming out. Uh-oh. We didn't really get to talk about, but whoa, well, let's let's talk about it. What happened? Uh, we, asked, so, we asked you what's next for yeah, you. Yeah, and you just, <laughs> you just no, this, skated this, past I it. Already <laughs> shot this. Okay. Uh, it shot this in Montgomery, Alabama. It was a civil rights piece called Son of the South. Uh, I shot that with Barry Brown. He is Spike Lee's longtime editor. Okay. He was just up for an Oscar for um, Black Klansman. Okay, cool. Nice. And so this was kind of like his like his baby, his directorial debut. Um, Spike Lee was the EP on this film. Uh, it's a period piece, 1969 or 70. I might be wrong mm. with the dates, but uh, period piece, civil rights. Full feature? Full feature, okay. civil rights movement uh, based on like this white Southerner who's like the grandson of a, of a, of a Klansman. And he just kind of has a change of heart and, and, and joins the civil rights movement. And mm. you kind of follow him through this journey based on a, on a true story, cool. Robert yeah. Zellner. So. Sounds like an Oscar-nominated piece already. Man, I hope so. I Dude, hope so. It did, was you, a, did you get to talk to Spike Lee? And no, well, Spike Lee at the time was shooting in the Philippines for his next movie that's coming out. Um, but collaborating with Barry was was super interesting because he's like a master editor. He's like you know he's been editing for a long time, a lot of yeah. Spike's films, and just working with him was interesting because he kind of he knows what he wants. You know, he's there's just no wasted shots there's no wasted you know moments he's like this is what i need for the cut you know because he's, he's an editor and mm. it was just an interesting collaboration for sure so um, who directed that then uh barry barry directed barry. Oh, okay oh, cool nice, nice. so yeah, he's so directing and he's gonna edit this he, yeah wow yeah. okay so he knows exactly like uh, he he's knows. Like, that's not gonna he knows. edit like he knows waste our time. Yeah. over the shoulder over the shoulder <laughs> moving on <laughs> yeah but he was it was cool because like he was like really trying to push the boundaries on this one like he you okay. know he he, he he, was, he contacted me because he wanted to like, you know, go super dark. And he was like, I yeah. want it to be dark. I want it to be moody. I want it to be, you know, really just out there. And we just want to do wonders and wide shots and just like really push the visuals. Right. You know? That's what nice. I like. That's what yeah. I want to see. Yeah. I so that, that, that was fun. Shit, man. Cool. I love that. It's tough, but it was fun. That's awesome. Sure. Um, real quick. Last question for me, at least if you guys have a question. Um, now that you got the Emmy, you know, the stuff is going on. Like, how does it work for you guys for representation? Do you have an agent that is getting gets you gigs, like even the shorts, or are you still kind of actively looking on your own? How does that work? So you know, I've uh, well, right now it's funny because when before I shot shot uh, Son of the South, some agents were hitting me up, you know, because I guess they 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 caught they, they heard about this film and they were like, oh, let's let's okay. keep an eye on this guy, let's let's right, see, right, right. let's see what's up, and then so there were a few were contacting me for representation. Um, I currently don't have representation. Okay. Um, I kind of want it to just make sense for me. Like uh, right now, I, I I don't think I need it. I'm able to just negotiate my own stuff, and I think eventually, uh, I I will. But you turned them down. They said we would like to, and you said uh, not the right time. Yeah, it was kind of like let's let's let let me just wait a second. You know, let me let me let let's talk about this. Let's let's yeah. let's see what's we got what's time. Out. Yeah, we got time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just right now, I don't think it makes it makes sense to to commit. So, um, hey, I'm, you know what? I'm busy uh, polishing Miami. <laughs> do cinematographers have agents? They do. Yeah. They do. Um, you know, uh, they nego- the, the best, you know, the best thing for me is, is that they negotiate for you. So you don't have to deal with the awkwardness with yeah, producers the money, and things sure. like that. So that's the biggest benefit. Sometimes they get you gigs, which is great. Um, right. But the negotiation aspect is like really good. Are they submitting you for work then? Is that typically like submitting to a producer yeah. or a production company? Yeah, they submit, you know, a handful of names and they look at it and they say, oh, this guy's interesting. Let's bring him in for an interview. And then, you know, you go that Meeting way. Nice, man. But most of my work has been word of mouth. You know, uh, I think the, right. the best thing you can do is cultivate your relationship with like directors and producers. And then they recommend you for something and then yeah. your network just grows and grows from there. Mm. 
By the way, did you work with Christine? How did you know Christine? No, no. She, uh, she's friends with my focus puller. Okay. And so we hung out a few times. All right. Yeah. So it was random. I yeah. should have asked you that a lot earlier. <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. But uh, I just remembered like, oh yeah, Christine. She was yeah. on the pod. Yeah. That's um, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Of the uh, I met her at a TV Academy event and uh, harassed her to get over here and come on the podcast. Nice. And she <laughs> reluctantly accepted. Oh, no, no. I'm sure she had a blast. <laughs> no, she was, she was yeah. awesome. Yeah. She was great. Great guest. Good stories. Yeah. Um, anyway, man. Thank you for coming by, oh, man. Thanks for having me. Um, we'll reach out to you. Uh, you already gave out the Instagram, right? Yeah. Cool. Um, a lot of fun, man. Yeah. This is, this is great. Thanks yeah. for having me. That's Appreciate the best it, guest yet. No. Great pod. Hollywood, Hollywood.